This morning, I want to bring to you a message titled, The Flames of Revival. What does the word revival mean? Where the, well, the root of it is re, which means again. Everybody say again. And vivir is to live. So when you experience revival, it is the process of restoration, rejuvenation, and it means to live again. It's taking something that was dead or that's grown complacent and breathing life back into it. Hallelujah. We've been in a season of revival in this nation and in this world. Things are happening. Started with Asbury. It's moved on to different universities, churches, movements, houses, homes, other countries. And it's not the time to figure it out. It's time to faith it out. And revival starts with you. It starts with you as an individual. It starts with your family. It starts with your surrender. And the Lord took me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, as well as Jeremiah 33, verse 3 today. And I just want to read and remind you of what these verses say. First, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Back in the early 1700s, you heard of a Jonathan Edwards and a great awakening that took place because of complacency in the church and hypocrisy. This little wiry, nerdy young man stood for God and stood up for righteousness and grace and stood up for the common man who couldn't buy his way out of sin. And revival hit and the great awakening too in the 1800s. Pastor James McGrady, a Presbyterian minister, presided over strange and unusual manifestations in Logan County, Kentucky. An African-American pioneer in the early 1900s named William Seymour began to pray and his people began to seek the face of God and Azusa Street was born in Los Angeles, California. Wasn't born there, he was born in Louisiana. But at that time, African-American people weren't free. They weren't treated as they should be. But God decided to revive a city and a nation through someone who didn't even receive the respect from his people that he should have. And we have the Church of God movement and the Pentecostal movement and all of these charismatic denominations because of a black man who sold out for God and a people who were open to a fresh filling and anointing of the power and the spirit of the living God. And I'm not here this morning to tell you how to have revival. I'm just here this morning to give you the biblical roadmap and the historical roadmap for how many have begun 
And unfortunately, revivals end when people grow complacent or when they turn an authentic move into Walmart. And I'm thankful that Asbury would not allow major news media outlets to come into their sanctuaries. I'm thankful that they pushed the politics away and they allowed an authentic move to occur. Old Charles Finney, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, and even a little church called Central Baptist Church in the 1990s experienced a revival that is on the Pentecostal roadmap of revival happened right here on our grounds for many years. We are standing on holy ground, and I'm believing that God wants to do it again. Amen? I believe he wants to revive us again. Amen? A revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again, Vance Havner. Revival delays because prayer decays, Leonard Ravenhill. At another place in history, God raised up a leader named Abraham Lincoln who would free the slaves. Where did he come from? Well, F.W. Borum said this in our history books, yet one remembers an incident described by Judge Herndon, a thing that happened some years before Abraham Lincoln's birth. A camp meeting had been in progress for several days. Religious fervor ran at fever heat. Gathered in complete accord, the company awaited with awed intensity the falling of the celestial fire. Suddenly the camp was stirred. Something extraordinary happened. The kneeling multitude sprang to its feet and broke out into shouts which rang through the primeval shades. A young man who had been absorbed in prayer began leaping and dancing and shouting Simultaneously, a young woman sprang forward, her hat falling to the ground, her hair tumbling about her shoulders in graceful braids, her eyes fixed towards heaven, her lips vocal with strange, unearthly song. Her rapture increased until grasping the hand of the young man, they blended their voices in ecstatic melody to heaven. These two, Thomas Lincoln and Nancy Hanks, were married a week later and became the president's parents. Abraham Lincoln's parents built a covenant off the flames of revival. And I'm telling you, whatever your need is this morning, it is not too great for the kingdom. When the kingdom makes its way to the earth, miracles happen. When the kingdom makes its way into your heart, transformation occurs. When the kingdom makes its way into a church, forgiveness takes place. Repentance takes place. The altars are full. Things begin to live that were pronounced dead. Curses begin to be broken. And the fire begins to fall. I'll never forget years ago, one of my heroes, and it was his anniversary of his death just a few weeks ago, R.A. Sharp. I held his hand at the hospital before he died. This man taught me how to win souls. This man was a Baptist man. He was, but he was a soul winner and a fiery evangelist for God in this church many years. And I'll never forget when the fire hit this church, watching this godly evangelist fall out in the power of God. 
and get up talking about the fire. The fire. If you knew R.A., you knew he wasn't fake. You knew he wasn't phony. You knew he was the real deal. But even a godly man like R.A. Sharp needed the fire of God. And we saw thousands saved that week in the streets of Chattanooga when the power of God hit this place. People would need to understand revival and evangelism are not the same thing. Revival is the experience of the life of God. Evangelism is the expression of the life of God. Revival is God's work in the Christian or in the saint. Evangelism is God's work through the Christian and through the saint. You'll never evangelize unless you've been baptized in fire, unless you were sold out for the cause of Jesus Christ, unless you've been touched by God in such a way that it makes you want to follow him, turn from your past life, pick up your cross, and persevere. We believe that evangelism is revival. No, evangelism is the fruit of a revival. You can have evangelism without revival, but you will never have revival without evangelism. When revival begins to move in a church, the church will overflow with sinners, with people who are lost, with people who need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. You won't have to do a campaign, a 12-week class, a motivational series to get people to invite or invest in the lives of hurting people. When the power of God hits a place, people want to be in the atmosphere as we've seen from coast to coast. You don't have to beg them to come to church Pastors, you don't have to be upset when it rains every Sunday because you know it's going to hurt your attendance. When the power of God hits a place, there is an excitement. There, there is a drawing in that takes place because the Spirit of God is on a place and on a people. It's not about celebrity pastors or preachers. Now, I do believe that powerful preaching and holiness preaching will bring about revival, the Bible tells us so. But oftentimes that stirring begins with repentance. It begins with the altars being full. It begins with authentic worship. After one is saved, every area of a person's life should eventually be brought to the cross. So every now and then a Christian person needs to be revived. We grow complacent in our church attendance. We grow complacent in our Bible reading. We grow complacent in our prayer lives. We grow complacent in the kingdom principles that God has taught us for many of us from the times when we were young children. We grow complacent. That's when we need revival. Revival is not for the lost. It's for the saved. And if you need to be touched by God, all you have to do is ask. Sell out to the cause of Christ. Be willing to labor in prayer and trust God for the result. We plan meetings and conferences, and there's nothing wrong with those things. I believe in having revivals. I believe in conferences. I've been criticized from former staff members because we have conferences I have conferences because I'm not religious. And because of the kingdom anointing on my life, I can get people here along with my father.
who have a special anointing. And it is my hope and prayer when I have someone like a Jensen Franklin who will be back with me this fall or a Bishop Braun or even a Perry Stone or John Hagee. We've had them all here. We've had them all here. It's my hope that through the anointing God's placed on their life, that power will drop in here on one of you and it will cause you to advance God's kingdom. But we can't plan a revival. We can plan a conference and revival can happen as a result of it, but revival starts with you. It starts with you. It's the expression of the life of God. Once you've been transformed, once you've confessed your sins, not diagnosed everyone else's, once you've dealt with your stuff, and if you're anything like me, you've got stuff, once you've dealt with your stuff, then you are in alignment with the kingdom and you can become an evangelist. You can advance the kingdom. But until revival stirs in you, nothing will ever satisfy you. Nothing will ever please you. You will try to help the church through ordinary and practical, fleshly, ungodly methods when what the church needs is revival. What the church needs is the Spirit of God. What the church needs is a baptism into kingdom. And when those things take place, souls will be saved. Signs and wonders will occur. The church will grow because of Jesus, who is the head of his church. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, comes from a time where the people of God had sinned. They'd grown complacent. They'd gone after idols. They were so in love with their agenda or their stuff or their personal goals or their own metrics. They'd become so worldly. And Jeremiah says from the depths of his soul, call unto me and I will answer you. In the middle of this crisis, Yahweh shows up. The God of the covenant speaks. He identifies himself in the Hebrew as the sustainer of this earth, the God of covenant. The Lord will not leave his people when we call unto him. He will answer us and show us what? Great and mighty things. How many of you are tired of ordinary things? How many of you are tired of religious things, common themes, and ordinary things? I want to see great and mighty things. I want to see God move. I want to see God shift. I want to see life change that lasts for more than an hour. I want to see power that's not pushed by the base of the sound system. I want to see power that's not about our preference but his presence that's what I want to see God promises us to hear our prayers to answer our prayers and to do mighty things for his people revival always begins when we're desperate it's the same way one gets saved I wonder if in religion we've taught that you just grow up, your parents bring you to church and eventually you make this decision so that you'll go to heaven because you don't want to go to hell and 
little children are scared of that, so they glue some macaroni on a paper plate and they check a box, and yet there's no power on their lives. There's no anointing on their lives. There's no fruit coming from their lives. When what they need is the power of God. What they need is revival. I'm hard on religion, friend, and it's not because I'm angry or bitter at it. It's simply because I've seen religion rob too many anointed people of their destiny. And I want people to find the kingdom because I want them to see that God has so much more for them than the box they built around their lives, than the denomination they were raised in, than Twitter, than Instagram. There is a kingdom that's not of this world. You can see, you can hear. God will do things that can't be explained. He'll use people that don't deserve it. If you will embrace the king... And that form of government, revival will be normal. It won't even make the headlines because it will become the norm in our churches and in our services. Revival has been difficult in this season because of a past pandemic. But really more than that, it's because people are preoccupied. People are too busy for revival We've seen, you know, apostasy in the pulpit, apathy in the churches, aggravation from churchgoers. Pastors are experiencing agitation. And we need a move of God. So what will it take to see God revive us again? I believe we can see it. I believe we have seen it here in spurts. Number one, according to the word of God in church history, revival can come, number one, if there's a sense of urgency. If you're in a hurry to get to lunch, that's not a sense of urgency. I'm talking about someone that's on their deathbed, child's on their way to prison, addicted, someone that's received a diagnosis that's terminal, Someone who can't seem to lick that sin that keeps creeping back into their life. They've asked for forgiveness a thousand times, but it still comes back and they can't quit doing it. And they're desperate. Desperate like the woman that touched the hem of his garment. Desperate like the blind man at Bethsaida. Desperate like the woman who walked past the Pharisees at Simon's house and gave everything she had to anoint the feet of Jesus. I'm talking about a desperation that will embarrass you in front of the religious crowd. A desperation that religious people will mock. A desperation that denominations will kick you out for having. I'm talking about an authentic sense of urgency. We have what we want bad enough. I don't know how much God you have, but you have all you want. We have a generation that doesn't long for things of the Spirit. They don't want to be weird. They don't want anybody to make fun of them. They don't want to be ostracized by their big denominational church. They want to live in this world where everything's cookie cutter and perfect and they can pretend that everything's perfect and they raise children that hide their sins from them. Their children raise children that hide their sins from them. Nobody's authentic, nobody's real, but everybody goes to church. And none of this pleases God. 
None of this qualifies as revival. All this is is lukewarm, ungodly, false religion. And we're not going to have a move until we take off those masks and we have a sense of urgency boiling on the inside of us that causes us to want to change and that causes us to want to really see God do something. Satisfied with being a member of a church but not doing ministry in the church. Satisfied with religion and protocol, not power and presence. Participation without power. Watching without worshiping. We need revival. We've lost our urgency and burden for people who are on their way to hell. We don't cry and pray over the souls of our children and grandchildren anymore. Several years ago, a man jumped off a bridge in Tampa Bay attempting suicide. One after another, the cars stopped to try to save this man. And a business executive, very wealthy man, was in traffic and he had to get to his flight. And he, he grew very frustrated with this traffic jam. And as he approached closer, he realized that someone had jumped from a bridge. And he said, I'll just let the man die. He made the decision. I've got to catch my plane until he drove a few feet closer and realized that the man that jumped off the bridge was his own brother. And then the man said... Oh, God, please let my brother live. What if that was our expectation of our neighbor, of our friend, of the people we do life with, but we're scared to share our faith with? What if it was your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister that was hurting? Wouldn't it, it change the way you thought about your life and who you did life with? A sense of urgency. Number two, there must be a spiritual expectancy. You will never have a genuine manifestation of the Spirit without a divine expectancy. You will have what you expect to have in everything, not just church, not just ministry. You will have what you expect to have. You will have what you believe and what you speak and what you walk in. If you walk in negativity, you're going to have it. If you walk in hate, you're going to have it. If you walk in doubt, you're going to have it. If you walk in fear, you're going to have it. If you walk in kingdom, you're going to have that too, though. If you walk in power, you're going to have power. If you walk in presence, you're going to have presence. If you walk in humility, you're going to have humility. If you walk in grace, when you need a little bit, God's going to pour some out for you. Oh, but if you walk in condemnation, judging everybody, guess what? You're going to have that. You're going to have what you spiritually expect to have from God's kingdom. When we meet God's requirement for revival in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we ought to be expecting revival when we show up to church. I've been preaching this and screaming it for six years. We've got to expect God to do something. When we humble ourselves, when we pray, when we seek his face, when we repent, God will hear us, God will show up for us, and he will move on our behalf. I expect something to happen every service. And because I expect it, it does. Now, for some people, he may think, well, that not much happened. Well, you don't see what I see. You don't get the emails I get. 
if you can't feel it, maybe you're dead and you need reviving. Because I see it, hear it, feel it, walk in it, and celebrate it. And if you're missing what God's been doing, maybe it's you, my friend, that needs a revival. It's you, my friend, that needs a revival. Your prayer ought to be, God, what are you doing? And how can I get in on it? Not, God, how can we fix all these problems? No, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? How can I receive it and get in on it? How can I get in alignment with your kingdom? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not my will. Whose will? See, if we want revival, we've got to get back to thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not my will be done. We got to quit thinking we know the answers. We don't. Only heaven's throne room knows the answer to the shift. We can't have pessimists in this season. We can't have legalists. We can't have rationalists. We can't have the intellectually elite that want to judge movements and want to point out what's wrong with every movement. These people have never even had a movement and need a movement. You know, it's amazing. You know, people can have all these followers on social media. It's 14 degrees. They've never built a church past 20 people. But they're scholars on everything they've never been a part of. Never done anything in the kingdom except criticize and read. And they've never walked with God enough to even see an innumerable company of people saved and baptized in the Spirit. But yet they know what God's doing coast to coast. They need revival. And they're not above God touching them. They need a touch as well. We must expect things to happen in our midst. And number three, if we're to see revival, I believe it ends with sovereign dependency. Revival is when God moves heaven into our hearts. You must be in a position to receive the Spirit of God. You must know who you are in Christ. You must know that you are a son, a daughter, an heir to the promise. And you must believe deep in your heart that you're a recipient of God's grace and that he loves you and that he wants to use you. You're not what you do. You're not what you did. Somebody say that, I'm not what I did. Say, I'm not what I do. I'm who God says I am. And God loves you so very much. Sovereign dependency. I fear that some of our churches are trying to operate in their own strength. Dr. Avanzini told me when he was here, before he experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and embraced God's kingdom principles, he was a Baptist man. And he built a church, over 2,000 people, in the flesh, really, in hard work. And he watched that thing crumble in his early life and he told me that it crumbled not because he wasn't passionate not because he didn't know the word not because he didn't work hard 
because he put the whole ministry on his shoulders like so many are trying to do today and he didn't give the ministry to the kingdom. And he promised that he would never make that mistake again when he built his other churches. I confess to you this morning, I'm weak at times. This is a large ministry. It takes a lot to take care of our 37-person staff and this enormous campus. And I'll be honest with you, Ronnie Phillips doesn't need any of this. I appreciate all of it. But I can go to a barn on Mowbray Mountain with about 40 people that love God, and I can promise you this old boy from Saudi Daisy will be just fine in that atmosphere. I mean that. I love this. I honor it. I'm thankful for the seeds that were sown so we could have it. But if you think for one second all of this is what I'm about, you've lost your mind. I want to hear from God. I want Jesus, man. I don't care if it's in the backwoods of a country church. It's an Asbury Seminary. It's at Lee University. It's in a trailer park. It's in the hood. I don't care. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. That's where I want you to be. And I believe God placed us here and built this wonderful facility so that we could start fires and keep the flames of revival burning around the world, not just in our region. But we've got to take ownership of that call if we're going to be all that God's called us to be. We've got to be revived again, and then we have to send people out to fan the flames of revival not just in our city, but around the world. And when we operate in kingdom, it won't just be about one movement or six months. It'll be ongoing. It'll be generational, which means you might get to start a fire, but you won't get to keep it a-going when you're gone to heaven. The next generation will pick it up, and God will keep stirring until Jesus comes back. And takes us with him. I mentioned Charles Finney earlier. He was a lawyer that was converted to Christ. And he was used of God like no other before him. Everywhere he went, revival fires started. When Finney would leave a city after evangelizing it, they said the bars would close, the brothels would close. Marriages would get back together. Abusive husbands would repent, stop living the way they'd been living. Slaves were even freed, and churches were filled. And he said, Oh, it is impossible that desolation should not reign, that the ministry cower before an ungodly public sentiment, the Lord's day be desecrated, the church ruined, and the world undone without great revivals. I believe in revival. I believe in Jesus, the son of the living God. I believe in his kingdom that cannot be shaken. I believe in the power of Pentecost and the power of Holy Spirit. And I believe that Holy Spirit still moves, reigns, heals, and delivers. And I believe in speaking in the other tongue when I pray. If you don't, no offense, but I'm going on ahead in the kingdom, believing the way Jesus says we should believe and operating the way he said we should. What is the roadmap to revival? It begins with humility. 
a humbling and getting down before Almighty God. You want to see God move, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to be willing to be embarrassed, to lose friends, to lose family. You've got to be humble enough to admit your struggle and to repent of the things you struggle with without wearing a mask. What else? We mentioned it, desperation, humility, desperation. Most of us have to get to a place of desperation before we'll even cry out to God and seek his face. We'll never get to the mighty things until we seek his face, until we're desperate enough to want God to show up. See, some people don't want God to show up. I mentioned the lady there in Luke 7. Went to Simon's house. You know, Simon invited Jesus to come because he was a celebrity, he was a scholar, because people were gossiping about him. That Pharisee didn't want Jesus there. When Jesus shows up, blind eyes open. When Jesus shows up, water turns to wine. When Jesus shows up, religious people get called hypocrites and a brood of vipers. Jesus isn't politically correct. Jesus is truth. Jesus will go out to a woman who's been married five times, who's so ashamed she can't even go to the well during the right time of day because she doesn't want to run into the other women because she's probably slept with some of their husbands. And she runs into a man of a different race. He wasn't supposed to talk to her because she was a woman. Wasn't supposed to talk to her because she was of a different race. But Jesus broke all the rules. Many of us, we don't want a guy that breaks all the rules to enter into what we're doing. I do. I serve a lawbreaker and a kingdom shaker and a religious agitator. His name is Jesus let me not skip by this point because it's what I believe God is doing here and wants to do in a greater way. The roadmap, humility, desperation, but it's prayer, friend. It's prayer. That's how the movement in Asbury started. That's why it's continued from coast to coast. It's an interceding, a cry from your heart to heaven. There are many kinds of prayer. There's thanksgiving. You give thanks to God. There's supplication, which means you pray with the expectation that God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But there's intercession. And this is God's favorite. You say, how do you know? Because Jesus is doing it now. He sits at the right hand of the Father and lives to make intercession for you. So if Jesus is interceding for you, shouldn't we be in intercession for one another and for the people that need Jesus and for the people that need healing and for the people that need revelation? Prayer. We've got to get back to a place of prayer in this church where it's not something we do religiously before meals, bodies to thy service, and the blah, 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 blah. Who cares about all that? I'm talking about really praying to Jesus like he's your father, your friend, your comforter, your deliverer, your everlasting father, the great I am, the king of all kings, worthy of your praise, the one who saved your soul. Set your feet up on a landing place so you could serve him and follow him. Authentic prayer. Isaiah 59, 16 says, He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. Remember in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God is looking for intercessors. God is looking for people who pray, who make it a priority. We've got a prayer room over here. We opened the church last week 
Monday through Wednesday for anyone that wanted to pray, and many of you did. But I'm going to tell you, you can make a secret place at home. You can have a prayer closet at home, a place where you pray and cry out to the Lord. I believe if we'll get back to praying, he'll do it again, my friend. He'll do it again in the area of souls, in the area of spirit. It's not only prayer, it's repentance. It's confessing your sins. It's dealing with your mess. It's you allowing the spirit to make you holy. It's you allowing the spirit to change you. And when these things happen, revival hits. What is the result when authentic revival hits? First is authentic worship. A.W. Tozer said that worship was the missing jewel of the church. When we see those things happen, humility, desperation, prayer, repentance, then worship breaks out, and it's not about anyone's preference. There's no longer, well, I like Hillsong. Well, I like the hymns. Well, I like this. Well, you're so caught up in the ecstasy of God's presence, it doesn't matter the style. It's all about him. Authentic worship, personal intimacy, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide by the shadow of Almighty. Public displays become less of a priority when you're walking in personal devotion and personal intimacy. When you're in revival, it's all about the time you get to spend with Jesus. Not attending the things that Jesus loves, but your time with Jesus one-on-one. You see a renewed hunger for the word when authentic revival happens. People are into the Bible again. They want to learn about the Bible. They want to ask questions about the Bible. They want to seek what it says in the Greek. They long for good teaching. They long for good doctrine. They, they, they grow in their knowledge of the word. Life groups become about the word and the spirit, not a gossiping session as to how we can fix things. Becomes about authentic word and spirit not the opinions of man. There's a renewed hunger for the word of God. And then there's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And I've had this on me at times in my life. I'm not gonna pretend I live this every day, but there are seasons. And some of my friends who are here today have seen me walk in this where you're literally either in a cab ride or you're walking through Walmart or you're doing something and the Spirit says that person and you immediately go to that person. You give them a word of knowledge or you share your faith with them. And I've seen people come to Christ that way. I've seen chains fall off people that way. I've seen people who I've went up to who had a court date pending that were about to commit suicide. I'm telling you, friends, if we'll start walking under the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God, He will quicken us and our heart will break for people who are hurting again and we'll walk not only in compassion but truth but we'll speak life into people who are hurting and broken and last but certainly not least people will come to Christ in droves evangelism will happen naturally because hurting people will be drawn to the power of God and the love, the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for the unconditional love of Jesus Christ? You know, our love's conditional. Our love's about how good we are or what rules we uphold, but man, he loves us unconditionally. I'm thankful for that this morning. So as we fan the flames of revival, what is God asking you to do? 
Maybe it's to come pray. Maybe it's to come under the authority of a church. Maybe it's to plug into service. Maybe it's to share your faith. Maybe it's to come and allow one of our pastors to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil and believe with you that the power of God can hit you and that you could be baptized by way of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I know you have all that you want. And as the leader of this house, there is freedom here. Whatever God is asking you to do, now's the time to do it. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Would my pastors make their way to the front? First thing that I would ask you, if you're in need of revival, if you were a candidate for revival, is are you right with the Lord? Are you thoroughly right with the Lord? This is for Christian people. Are you where you need to be? If you're not, come pray. Lay at the altar. Make an altar out of your seat. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Do you have the unction on your life? Do you have the more Lord on your life? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are you living in doubt and you need freedom? You need power. Whatever God may be saying, whatever God may be doing, you should come and cry out to the Lord today and ask God to fill you and heal you. Stand on your feet, Heavenly Father. I've preached what you told me to preach. I've been obedient to your word and to your spirit this morning. This is your house. This is your campus. These are your people. Have your way in this place today and every day. Bring revival to our hearts, to our region, to our state, to our nation, and to this world. Call people to missions. Call people to ministry. Heal people of past hurts. Bring the lost here. Bring those who have been hurt by religion here. Bring those in need of a touch here that are hungry for something real. We declare it, we expect it, and we love you, Jesus. Amen. You may come if you need ministry today.